talk of Josh's to prove that we are uh, consistently on the theme of the kingdom of God. Uh, this is Jesus's uh, core proclamation. Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. We've talked a little bit about what we mean by the kingdom of God. Um, the kingdom of God meaning the rule and reign of God. What it looks like when God's way and order and presence and power comes to bear in a situation to fix things that are broken, to bring uh, folks who are in various uh, places of distance or unhappiness or broken relationship or sorrow into the presence of God looks like uh, the work that Jesus is involved in. Um, this is a text from Luke that is sometimes uh, read in vineyard spaces. Luke gets up in the synagogue and he's given the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He reads in uh, 61, 63, something like that. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, you could read that and interpret some of those things that Jesus is supposed to do as metaphors, more or less, right? Sight to the blind. Ah, yes, learning new truths, right? Or setting the oppressed free, like feeling less socially awkward, right? Whatever it would be, you could think of this as kind of, um, you know, images for, for certain sorts of, you know, pleasant states or right relationships. Um, but recovery of sight to, of, to the blind is actually a thing that Jesus literally does, like quite a lot. Um, if you read the Gospels, you will see that Jesus is very, very frequently, especially in the first like third to one half of all of those Gospels, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, we're not going to talk about the synoptic problem right now. We were not going to even do that a little bit. Jesus heals people a lot. Um, a few sample texts we will very quickly go through. Like this one, Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. We'll talk in a minute about how that's a fairly high bar. Um, everyone. Uh, here's three more. I won't read them all. His fame spread throughout all Syria. It's kind of an adjacent region. They brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he cured them. Um, I will say as a word here, we are going to lump all of the healing in one big bucket for this week. Um, the demons, the sicknesses that don't seem to be narrated as tied to demons, um, the dead folks, we're going to treat this all in the big category of healing. Um, there are some different things in play when someone is dead and you're trying to heal them from being dead, uh, but we're not going to spend a lot of time uh, parsing those things, except to say here's a big bucket of lots of ways that Jesus is um, bringing the rule and reign of God to bear. Uh, at evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. The whole city, that's everybody, I guess, um, was gathered around the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases, cast out many demons. Okay, here's a scene. There's lots of cool art for these things. This is the paralytic guy uh, whose friends lower him through the roof. They couldn't figure out how to paint that part, but they do have him uh, lowering, being lowered here. Um, this is the thing that happens for him. Okay. Um, oh, I put one more up. It all says the same thing. Lots of healing from Jesus. Um, I wonder, those of you who almost certainly read fewer healing stories from the Gospels this week, do y'all have any favorite healing stories? You can just, you know, shout them out. I, we, will, we will talk about a few details of a few of them, but I'd love to know, like, what do y'all, what do y'all love of these healing stories of Jesus? The man born blind, why do you like that one? Because it's awesome, okay. My favorite part about that one is where they're like, dude, like what, like he healed you, whatever, and he's like, yeah, I don't know, he healed me. Like you all are the theologians about it. all I can say is I was blind and now I see. That's like one of the better like, dude, I don't know what the theology is, but like I used to be blind and now I see, so sort it out. Yeah, that's a good one. When he spits and makes fun, that's Simeon, my eight-year-old. He was like, that's, you're going to talk about that one. That's, that's his favorite. Why? You like it when he does weird stuff. Yes. We will talk a little bit later about how we, when we pray for folks here, we don't use saliva. That's like not a recommended practice. 
um, I think we are in a different cultural context, so we're not going to use saliva, but Jesus does sometimes use the saliva. Okay. Um, there are, I found some helpful books on this uh, to look through their tables. There are actually 41 different instances where there are these, there are these kind of big summaries or these particular healing accounts um, of individual healings, not counting parallels, right? So 41 different uh, stories about Jesus healing. Uh, that ends up being 72 different texts and for a uh, corpus of gospels that's 89 chapters. That's like a good chunk of time devoted to healing. Um, there's actually quite a lot of demand for Jesus uh, as a healer. He went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Uh, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. It's a bit of a leading text as it turns out. Where do those laborers come from? I think they come from folks sometimes who are healed by Jesus. And sometimes it's, uh, some cases it's quite explicit uh, that when people are healed by Jesus, they then become closely related to him and his work. As with these folks who are talking about the 12 who were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. So sometimes when he, people have a particular kind of encounter with Jesus' healing, um, they will then uh, become part of the work uh, that he's doing. This actually is what happens when you look at my uh, new and improved and really better in every way translation of Luke 4. Um, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and it's the same verb, it's the sending verb, to send out the oppressed in freedom. So Jesus' mission as owned there is actually, I am sent so that those that I encounter are then subsequently sent out. Why do they not translate it this way? I'm not an amazing Greek scholar. I, scholars do better. Um, this is a very clear connection, I think, of how this is supposed to work. Okay, also my favorite story um, from the life of the Elm City Vineyard in the early days about someone being sent out, having been encountered by Jesus. Um, my wife, Michelle, had a coworker whose real name we won't use because we don't do that for some reason. Let's call her Katie. I know there are people called Katie. Um, but it's not the Katie's you know, because that's not her real name. She was a, a pediatrician, I think, a doctor. They worked together. She uh, came around our community for some reason and was like, what's with your church? Like, they're like, it's like multi-ethnic and like people have like international experience. Like, are you, are you guys Unitarians or something? And I was like, no, we're not Unitarians. Could I come to your church? She invited herself to church, because we're amazing evangelists. She invited herself to church. She beat us to it, okay? She came to a conference that we did uh, with a friend of mine named Jordan that uh, I'll refer to in a minute. Um, and she, after a session talking about healing and deliverance and things like this, she like raised her hand and said something along the lines of, I'm not sure that I believe in demons, but if they're real, I think I might like have one or two. Everyone was like, what? <laughs> okay, that's cool or not. I don't know what's happening. She got some prayer, got delivered of some things, and found that she was like freed in a significant way from some depression that she'd had for many, many, many years. She goes home, goes to sleep, has a dream, and in this dream she sees a woman she's never seen before. And then she comes back to church the next day and sees this woman in the flesh like you are the person in my dream that I've never seen before. And she thought that she knew that this woman maybe struggled with depression similarly. So what does she do? She prays for her and this woman is healed of depression, healed from these symptoms. If that's not cool, I don't know what's cool. That happened at the Elm City Vineyard in my lifetime. That's the sort of thing that I think happens um, when people get healed and get sent out, okay? So that's the next part. Jesus does a lot of healing. He sends out his followers to do the same, and it works. Um, they have a really good record. Uh, so first he sends out the 12. He gives them authority. Jesus gives them the authority. It is a gift. It is not like earned. They haven't merited it because they're amazing. It is a gift of the Lord that they can operate in Jesus' authority. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, 
et cetera. You guys are used to this now. Um, as if they want us to know that it's just not the 12, Luke tells us in chapter 10, after this, he appointed 70 others. Some texts say 72. If you care, you are not with me. Um, he sent them on ahead in pairs to every town. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick, say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. This is what happens uh, when he sends them out. Now, Jesus, of course, uh, dies, is resurrected, ascends to heaven, and the church just keeps right on at this healing stuff. A great number of people would gather from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those tormented by unclean spirits. They were all cured. So the church keeps right on going, uh, doing the things. This is uh, Peter and John with the... Uh, the lame man. Do we still say lame? Probably not uh, in Acts chapter 3. Um, Luke, the author of Acts, we think, um, usually uses language of signs and wonders. This is kind of his typical thing. Um, but there are presumably any number of healings when he uses that. Um, there are in Acts 5 general descriptions of healings, seven specific ones, and so that's over the course of 28 chapters. Lots of healing in Acts as well. Um, Here's my thought, and there was, a, there was a controversy about this as people were starting to uh, really dig into the theology of the kingdom of God in the 70s and 80s especially. Are these healing things signs so that people were like, look over here, now pay attention to what Jesus is saying. Like, there's like a show, right? Like, these guys will like do a dance and then someone will preach the message. Or are they actually the content of the message? I vote for the second one. Um, Jesus sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. That could be two different things. Um, I like thinking about this. You see my nice bold colon right there? As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. How do you do that proclaiming of the good news? It is heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Of course, there's some teaching too. Um, but I think these are not, uh, this isn't like, you know, send up a flare and see if people show up. This is actually the substance uh, of what happens in the kingdom. This friendly little diagram that Josh found and is now here with us forever, maybe from the Bible Project, um, is about the kingdom of God, the theology of the kingdom of God. The idea that in the end, this light blue thing, we have God's perfect rule and reign where everything goes the way it is supposed to go when God is all in all and every knee has bowed and tongue confessed and all this sort of thing, right? When the world is made right. Um, when Jesus comes saying the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that is the kingdom breaking into the messy red space that is our world, um, making purple pockets, although I think the purple pockets really ought to just be sky blue because this is the actual content of the kingdom, right? This is not like a prototype of the sauce that goes on the heavenly meat. Like this is the sauce of the heavenly meat. You just don't get the whole meal yet, right? You get the real stuff of the end breaking into here. So maybe that's just supposed to be blue. I think it's showing that there's an interaction between these two things, but it's probably just supposed to be blue. Are we, are we clear on that? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? The goal of the kingdom is like, no, it's the way that God's way goes. Um, when this happens in the vision that is in the end of Revelation, God himself will be with them. What happens when that happens? He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. So healing, when it happens, is the coming of this we say eschatological, it means at the end, this reality from the end breaking into the present, okay? There it is again. Um, this becomes the way these actual things that Jesus are, are, is doing becomes the answer that he gives to John the Baptist who goes ahead of Jesus. He's like, hey, are you the one? Like, is this, is this the deal? Is this like, are you bringing about the end of the age? And Jesus is like, hey, what do you see? The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. This is a sign that the kingdom is breaking in. This is the sign that, yep, I'm the guy. I'm the guy, and you can tell because of the things I'm doing that are the things that would happen if God was turning up and setting things right. Um, I had forgotten that this existed. In, in Acts chapter 14, Paul heals a guy, and the people are like, the gods have come down to us in human form, which is exactly the point. 
That is exactly the point of what's happening in the ministry of Jesus and in the ministry of the apostles and their followers who are partnering with the Holy Spirit to see healing happen. That's what happens when God comes around. Healing. Things like that. Okay. So, we're going to pray for healing. Look at me getting through all these pages. Not enough pages, but some pages. Um, we are going to spend the rest of our time talking about how we pray for healing. That is my goal. Uh, show of hands, put them up nice and high. Who has prayed for someone to be healed before in your whole life? Who has prayed for someone to be healed? Okay. Keep those hands up until you answer this question. Who has seen someone be healed when you pray? Okay. There, was a fewer, there were fewer hands involved there. Um, one of my goals on this earth is to have that not happen. Now, if I had said, like, who has ever prayed for someone and not seen them healed, then, like, I want all of our hands to go up, right? Because we are praying so much that, of course, it doesn't always work, and we'll talk about that. But I would love it if we are a community that is praying for healing so regularly that everyone would be like, oh, yeah, no, I've been involved in that. I've seen some healing happen. That's the goal. Okay, so we'll do this again, not today. Well, no, we won't. We will not do it again today, but I want to do that again and be like, I have prayed for healing. Yeah, I've seen people healed. That's the goal. Um, but my suspicion is that we don't pray for healing as much as we might because of that right there that we saw, right? Who enjoys praying for things that don't happen? I don't see hands. I would love for someone to raise their hand and we would have a wonderful interaction about that later. Um, I think there is wonderful, wonderful formation to be had and pray for things that don't happen. But at some basic level, um, it's a drag. Um, so my goal is to have us ha be able to receive a call from Jesus today to lean into more of this sort of stuff, which seems to be, I hope I have made clear, even though I didn't read all the slides, and believe me, there are lots more where those came from, of how much Jesus got about healing people and how very clear he was that people following him are supposed to be up to this and how very clear it is that people did, in fact, do that in the book of Acts. This is a thing that we are meant to be about. Um, this is actually a thing. Uh, there's John Wimber, yay. Um, this is a thing that is really part of our heritage in the vineyard, one of whose major, uh, the major formative influences is this guy named John Wimber, who could have played Santa Claus, uh, but is not in the movie, because it's Antonio Banderas, and John Wimber is not with us anymore. Um, he actually found himself in a place, after being in, in ministry in a few different settings, where he was... Um, being called to plant a church. He would say he grew up as a fourth-generation pagan, um, and he was reading the Bible once he'd been kind of converted in a Quaker church and was like, hey, when do we get to do the stuff? Like, you know, the stuff, like, in the book that Jesus does and then tells his disciples to do? Like, are we going to do that? And they were like, oh, yeah, no, we don't really do that. Um, that worked for him for a little while. Later, when he was in the position of being called to plant a church, the Lord sort of came for him and was like, you know what? It says in the book that you should pray for healing, and so let's go. Let's try and, try and pray for healing. Um, folks who want to come tomorrow night to my house and talk about healing, we will watch. There's like a segment of a video where he talks about how very, very poorly this went. Um, it's a pretty good time. I think it's good for us who try to think about how we might pray for healing um, to hear about the world-famous healing evangelist, John Wimber, and how very, very poorly that went for them um, for a good long while. Uh, but it's too long to play for you now. It won't happen now. But come to my house tomorrow. We'll watch a little bit of John Wimber um, talk about praying for healing. Um, John Wimber published a thing, this was like a regular newsletter of some sort for pastors called Equipping the Saints. And so, in the spirit of Equipping the Saints, which is a text um, from Ephesians, Ephesians 4, that's what I want us to do today, is be equipped to say yes to praying for healing. Okay? I'm going to go quick, because we're going to pray for healing. That's what we're going to mostly do. I think it is very important for us to be very clear that our default assumption is that God wants to heal, okay? Um, 
Here's a lovely text from the ministry of Jesus. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out with his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Now here's the thing. God is ultimately mysterious. At the end of the day, we can't say that we know the will of God entirely or without remainder, right? We are seeing through a glass dimly here. But we do have God's revelation to us in many and sundry ways, but especially in the person and ministry of Jesus. In the text the church wrote and transmitted uh, to us to testify to him, right? Those scriptures are quite clear. When someone turns up and says, Jesus, God with us, are you willing to do this? The answer is actually always yes. There is no one who approaches Jesus to be healed that is not healed. Do we have an exception that proves the rule? No, we do not. What we do have is a woman uh, who is not an Israelite, is not a Jew, who uh, comes to get healing for her daughter, and Jesus is like, not your turn yet, I'm here for Israel, and she has like a really clever bit about whether she can get the crumbs from the table, and he's like, man, that is superb faith, she's healed, okay? So we have Jesus like toying with the idea of saying no, doesn't say no, he says yes. Uh, I'm not going to read all these to you. Uh, we noted this earlier. He has a high success rate, close to every disease, every sickness. Here's all those who had any who were sick. He laid his hands on each of them. Uh, he cured all who were sick. Okay, so if we look at Jesus, we see that Jesus is saying yes to and succeeding in curing 100% of the humans. That is our def default assumption uh, for the Lord's willingness to heal. I think that's important to, to motivate us if we're going to do healing to say, you know what? All of our texts about what God is like as revealed in Jesus are that God is for this. Okay. You guys, some of you know the Bible. So you're like, what about this one? Let's talk about this one. This is uh, from the Apostle Paul writing in 2 Corinthians you see the Apostle Paul had maybe been to the, like, the third heaven or something. He'd gone to paradise. He had what he called an exceptional revelation. And in the context, have any of you been to the third heaven? No, okay. I'm going to suggest that this text maybe doesn't perfectly apply to you then. Um, but for Paul, he is given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment him, to keep him from being exalting myself. That is an error of mine. I know that's not right. The goal is he like had a massive spiritual experience and so he is given a thorn in the flesh to keep him from like being a braggart about it. And he says to the Lord, I appealed to the Lord about this that it would leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for power is made perfect in weakness. So, a number of the texts we're looking at, I'm suggesting we have great kinship for the folks in these texts. I don't know how much kinship we have to Paul, who's like, this is how the Lord was dealing with me when I went to frickin' heaven, okay? Maybe this happens for you. Maybe it doesn't happen for you. I think it's important that we don't really know what's happening here. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh is. Did his kids just keep failing to put the dishes in the dishwasher? No, I think, no, we don't think Paul had kids or dishwashers. Is baby shark stuck in his head, right? Like, I don't want to trivialize. We don't know what's happening here. Um, this may or may not be about physical healing. It may or may not be about a hangnail, right? Um, Paul is having an interaction where the Lord is like, no. And I want to invite us to assume that God is not up to some special purpose of humility unless... What happens is that God tells us like Paul, okay? Paul's assumption is not that God is not into healing, which is why he asked God for healing, whatever it is, assuming it's a healing thing, right? He asked God to take it away, not assuming that this is for his benefit and hears from God that it is. So I invite you to not assume that God is not into healing unless God tells you, hey, I'm doing another thing. Can we agree on that as a standard? If God is like, nope, this is for longer, um, Let's do that. But let's not assume that God doesn't want to heal because all the other things, okay? Does that make sense? If, after all, the goal is the kingdom of God, God actually can't be about not healing, right? 
if healing is God's rule and reign coming to bear. Like, God can't not be about healing, right? There may be some provisional thing that's happening, like here with Paul, but I think, hmm, probably shouldn't assume that. We should probably be told by God if this is not a thing. Otherwise, you know what we got to do? We got to go for healing. Okay. I'm not even going to do that one. Or that one. Okay. Jesus is going to do some healing. Um, Well, let me go back one way. One moment. And then we'll look at, at how we do this. If God, if our assumption is that God is a yes, why doesn't it just happen? This is a real, this is a question for you. I know the answer. Well, I have a thought of what the answer is. What do you think? Somebody guess. What's that? God is what? You have to want it. Yes, that is the beginning of the right answer, which is God is not the only one involved. Right? We are involved. Weird. And I don't know, like Paul's thorn in the flesh, he said it was from Satan. So I think there's some other like things involved too, right? There is opposition to the rule and reign of God in our present age. When Jesus is raised from the dead, he doesn't do, I mean, Thanos, it goes the other way, right? He does not snap his fingers and bam, the world is made right, the end, right? Jesus actually does this very strange thing where he hangs out with his, like, followers for 40 days and, like, teaches them to do some things and then ascends to heaven. And, like, that's how this is supposed to go. So it involves the church, it involves the humans, and it involves some opposition, right? It involves some demons, it involves some sinful structures, it involves, like, some messed up systems, it involves some things that, like, are not yet under the rule and reign of God. And so those things, us, us human beings, the church, who've got some of that stuff in us too, are involved in a situation where God's will isn't actually, like, automatically realized, right? This is what we're doing. We are in the time between the times. Um, Okay, that's important. How do we heal people? I don't think it's a matter of technique. Jesus, for example, uh, sometimes gives verbal commands. If the demons are speaking, we get direct, direct speech. Otherwise, they just get kicked out. Sometimes he pronounces healing, like, remotely. Your son will live, things like this. Sometimes he commands people to do things, like stand up, take your mat, walk. Sometimes he says, stretch out your hand. One time he tells 10 lepers to go show themselves to the priests, and as they set out in obedience, they're healed along the way. Jesus often touches people. A leper, for instance, a woman with an issue of blood. He touches an ear. He touches eyes. As we talked about a little bit, saliva is sometimes involved. We're not going to emulate that quite as much. Um, Here's one I like. Peter's mother-in-law, there's a story of her healing in three different uh, Gospels. In Matthew, he touches her hand and the fever leaves. In Mark, he grabs her by the hand and kind of pulls her up. And in Luke, he stands over her and rebukes the fever. Um, I don't know if they're trying to be clever, but it seems like maybe it doesn't quite matter how it's done. Um, So when we're trying to do the things that Jesus does, I don't think it's about technique. Um, going right along. I do think it is about operating in Jesus' authority. The 70, these are the ones that we saw sent out before. Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. So if we're going to do healing, let's do it in the name of Jesus. If you want to do healing in your name, I think it's going to go poorly. Um, But if we are healing as people sent by Jesus, I think that we get some of what we we need there. Um, My friend Jordan wrote a nice book called Miracle Work. Some of these ideas come from him. I won't talk more about that right now. Um, He also notices, you could hardly fail to notice, Faith seems to be really important when we are engaged in healing. Jesus says this a lot. Let it be done for you according to your faith. Faith, more faith. Jesus talks pretty often in many different settings about how faith works. Now, I think people can get weird about this. 
But I think, I think the basic idea is this. Jesus is not about doing stuff like two people as some kind of separable thing. I fix you and I go away, right? Jesus is about engaging people and drawing out participation, drawing out willingness, uh, and that's not incidental. I think people are not healed against their will. Uh, we'll talk about dead guys in a minute. Presumably their will is not much involved. Um, but all those summary verses are about people being brought to Jesus, people who desire to be healed. There's a way in which faith looks like, hey, I want to draw near to God to see this thing happen. And we will see that that actually happens um, in the case of people who want to be healed, but also the paralytic's friends bring him, right? Um, the faith of the disciples when they're praying is brought into this in some places. Healing works really much better if people want it and are into it, and that's like a, a way that they want to relate to God, not something that could be done to them as they move along. Um, faith, more about faith. Yeah, here's where Jesus, there are places where Jesus actually elicits faith, right? What do you want me to do for you? And the guy says, here's what I want. Like, I want this. And then he says, your faith has made you well. Do you believe that I am able to do this? According to your faith, let it be done to you, right? Faith is a way of people saying yes to Jesus. Um, Jesus will sometimes, and this is one of my favorite ideas from Jordan, will sometimes manage the faith environment where he's like, you know what is going to help people receive the healing from God, not qualify them, right? Like no one's getting qualified. Like you are amazing. You deserve to be healed, right? But the way that people can receive involves their wanting, their desiring, their leaning in. So sometimes when things are getting a little dicey, Jesus will help people lean this way, right? So this is um, where a leader from the synagogue comes and his daughter, I think, is, is uh, ill and going to die, and people are like, nope, she died. Um, Jesus says, do not fear, only believe, right? He's like, you might be having less belief now that we've, got in, we've, we've gotten the report that she's dead, but what we're going to do instead is lean in and believe. Now, of course, in a few places, this is Jesus's hometown. Does anyone not love their hometown? When Jesus goes to his hometown, he could do no miracle there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them, um, right? So Jesus is experiencing a certain uh, impairment in his able, uh, ability to hear, heal everyone based on a kind of lack of desire to have him operate in that mode, right? They're like, we know who this guy is. Like, we're not expecting um, that he would get up to things like this. Okay. Um, I'm going to skip these texts because I don't want to skip other things, uh, like praying for healing. Suffice it to say, faith, which is a big deal, is not the only deal. We see a number of texts in which faith isn't mentioned, and we see some texts in which it isn't clear that anyone has faith except for Jesus because they are dead and or mourning. So here this is like a person going by on a stretcher, a beer, beer, not like, not the kind I like, the other kind I don't like, a beer. Um, and he touches the guy and raises him because he has compassion, right? No one is looking for this. The dead guy is not looking for this. Um, the same thing happens with the story of Lazarus. I won't read you all of Lazarus now. But in Lazarus, you have these wonderful, both of the sisters, Mary and Martha, whose brother has died, are like, Lord, if you were around a few days ago when he died, like it wouldn't have happened like this. So their faith, like they had the faith, but no one at all is looking toward Jesus doing something else. They're like, if you had, right? And when Jesus is like, roll aside the stone, she's like, Lord, four days it is going to stink, right? No one in that space is looking for resurrection to happen. Jesus is going to do it. So is it all about faith? I don't think it is. Not there. Oh, yeah. No, we can't skip this, though. If our faith is, like, not amazing, here's a good one. If you are able, this guy, this is a guy whose son uh, has, has been uh, afflicted with, it seems like something like an epileptic thing. They, they call it a spirit. Um, if you're able to do anything, have pity on us. Jesus says, if you're able, oh, my gosh, so offended. I don't know if he's offended. All things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. 
that is like the name of the game here for faith, I think. I believe, like, hey, I want to trust that the Lord is good and the Lord can do this, but uh, I'm experiencing like a limit to that. Like that isn't going down all the way. Help my unbelief. Um, I think we can do that all day long. Okay. So faith, one of the pieces of the puzzle, authority. Faith is also like a gift on the list of spiritual gifts. I will definitely not read this to you. Um, But among the ways that the Holy Spirit gifts the church is to give the gift of faith, which I take to be something like uh, the ability to trust in God's goodness and lean into God's ability to do a certain thing, and maybe the ability to bring some other people along. So if faith is an important thing when we're praying for healing, it's super great to have people with the gift of faith around to add that in, to like stoke that in other people, okay? Um, If you ever come and get prayer from me on the side, This is like one of my go-to verses, and I just swap that word out in there where it says wisdom. If any of you is lacking, ask God, and it will be given to you. I'm like, you know what I think is great when you lack a thing? To like ask God for it and imagine that God is like glad to give you good gifts. So let's put faith in the bucket there. Uh, We'll put gifts of healing there later. We'll put lots of things there, but I invite you to take this posture. Hey, if you're faith, you feel like you've got a little unbelief, ask for the gift of faith. Um, We will all appreciate that when you pray for us and things happen because you have faith. Um, I also think stories, we'll share a couple quick testimonies before we get into ministry. Stories help lead to faith. When we hear stories, so I'm showing all my cards here. In a few minutes, we will tell some stories of healing and then you will have more faith for healing. I'm showing you how that's going to work in you, I hope, unless you're building an amazing cynical wall. Don't do it. Um, When we hear stories about God's doing things, we often tend to think, shoot, that could happen. Maybe that could happen. Maybe that could happen for me. Uh, This is a point from my friend Jordan. Uh, This guy in Lystra was listening to Paul as he was speaking. His thought is that maybe Paul was telling some healing stories, and Paul, looking at him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said in a loud voice, stand upright, and the man stood. So he gets healed when Paul sees that he has faith, but the faith maybe comes from, like, listening, listening to what Paul is talking about. Okay, there are gifts of healing. If the Holy Spirit has given the church gifts, some people have been given gifts of healing. It's plural, there's more than one. What kinds do I think they are? We're not going to do that right now. Does someone have the gift of like elbow healing and someone else has like sinus infection healing? Maybe. Your guess is, well, I don't know if it's as good as mine. It might be. Um, We have people... What I understand is having a gift of healing to mean is like when you pray for people to be healed, you're only going to know if you have this really if you pray for people to be healed. Okay, so when you pray for people to be healed, if they are healed like maybe a little bit more often than other people when they pray for healing, hey, you might have the gift of healing. That's what it is. Okay, if you've got a track record of praying for healing and seeing it, you may be the sort of person who has the gift of healing. And if that's true, we want to know about you because we want to pray for healing. Okay? Second to last one. This is a funny word that comes from my friend Jordan, consecration. The idea is sometimes when we are called to pray for people to be healed, it costs us some things. It takes some time. The healing work is like a, is a big deal for us, okay? Not because God needs to be persuaded, but because when we're trying to partner with God to do a thing, we need some extra, uh, right? So this might come by praying, or as in this text, you can check your biblical translation and see if you have Matthew 17, 21. The ones that are super scholarly are like, dude, this is not in the original manuscripts. But I think the church is trying to figure out, hey, sometimes we get into healing spaces where we're trying and it's not working very well. How do we get better, right? How do we become more devoted to the Lord in seeking this? Prayer, maybe also fasting. Jesus, uh, you might remember, does this for 40 days before he starts his public ministry, right? You're like, wait, does Jesus ever fast? Oh, yeah, for 40 days before he starts ministering, right? He's got a particular way of devoting himself so that he can be the best kind of conduit of God's healing. Um, He also goes off to a lonely place to pray all the time. Okay, last one in the factors, time. Sometimes praying for healing takes time. Jesus one time that they tell us about, had to pray twice. 
And this is Jesus. Uh, this is a blind man. He puts his saliva, sorry, it's saliva on his eyes. Can you see anything? He says, I see people, but they look like trees. I don't really know what that means, but I think he's like, I'm seeing some stuff, but I don't think it's the right stuff yet. And so Jesus lays hands on his eyes, and he does it again. Many of us who pray for healing regularly would say, you know what? Sometimes it takes time. It takes praying, and then praying, and then praying some more. Um, when we're praying for pain, we do this as part of our prayer ministry training. When we're praying for pain, if we are smart and we remember ahead of time, we're like, hey, what's your pain level right now? Like scale one to 10. Okay, it's a six. And then we'll pray a little bit and check in. Hey, is it still a six? Oh, it's a four. Okay, we're getting somewhere. Our experience of praying is that sometimes it takes time, okay? Put them together and what do you got? Authority and faith and gifting and consecration times time. Okay. And then you get healing. Voila. That was a lot. There are books you can read about this. I've read parts of some of them. There's a lot more to be said. But I'm not going to say it right now. If you were like, what about this? What about that? You said this one thing. What did you mean by that? Come to my house tomorrow. We will watch a John Wimber video, and we'll get into this. Okay, we'll talk more about healing. We'll talk about how we get after it. My thought is that praying for folks to be healed is one of the clearest and most straightforward ways for people to experience the gospel. Give me a sec. If the gospel is that things are broken and we're far from the Lord, experiencing healing is an experience of God drawing near in love, in power, forgiveness. And I think if people have that experience, they're drawn to Jesus. And so I want to be a place where we just, we just do that a lot. And sometimes we're going to fail. And it's going to hurt. But I think we want to be devoted to that. I'm not going to go find the graphic again with the squiggles, right? We want to say yes to being people that are trying to make that happen in the world through our partnership with Jesus. Okay, these are invitations. And then we're going to pray for healing. We're doing okay on time. Not amazing, but okay. These are the invitations. You can, like, take these home, and then we'll get into a few other things. Interact with the Lord around your faith for healing. If when I said, hey, let's assume that God wants to heal, that's our assumption. If you're like, ah, I don't, mm, that felt weird to you, you have work to do. Bless you. You have work to do with the Lord, maybe with some other people, right? Have you prayed for people to be healed, and it didn't happen, and it was terrible? Me too. There's work to be done there, right? Um, ask God for the gift of healing. We're going to do that in a minute, like all of us. I mean, you can say no, but why would you want to do that? It would be so fun. Then, very practical assignment, pray for a sick person, and then repeat. Um, when people used to come to John Wimber and say, how do, I, how do I learn to pray for the sick? He would be like, pray for 500 people and then come back and talk to me. It's like, how many people do you think did that? Maybe a few, right? You know how you figure out how to do this? By doing it. Um, so we're going to do it. Um, okay. I am going to have a couple people come share very briefly a few stories of their being healed in this community recently. Um, like I told you, I'm putting all my cards on the table. When these folks say, here's what God did in my life, you might have faith that God does this sort of thing and want to lean into it. Um, so we're going to do that, and then we're going to invite the Holy Spirit and come and give us gifts of healing and pray for healing. Okay. Karis, you want to go first? Everybody, it's Karis. Hi, everyone. Um, when, yeah. I did not prepare this super, super specifically, um, but 
I think it was about two months ago, um, probably around August, end of August at some point, um, while I was here, the prayer call that day, for those who are familiar with the way that ECV works, um, someone from the prayer ministry does a prayer call before we go into closing worship. And um, it was Michelle that day. And she was saying, um, if there's someone out there with heart palpitations, um, perhaps go get prayer for that. And I had been, I had been having heart, chest, um, palpitation issues for the past few weeks at that point. Um, but I didn't know what to make of that. I wasn't sure if it was like, it was something where I was like going to bed, feeling it, being like, is this, do I get medical attention or is this just me being uncomfortable? Like what's going on? And when that was brought up, I was like, maybe there's someone in the congregation who like actually has a heart problem and maybe it's not. And I just, um, but there, I was like, well, and I, I was also on worship that day. So then I wasn't able to like go up during the, during the worship. Um, but then it just came to me of, like it kept, it kept eating at me, and I'm quite a, um, when it comes to those kinds of decisions, I'm quite a gut person, I'm quite led by instinct, and I was like, well, I have a problem, and I don't want to have this problem anymore. So I ran up after we finished, and I went, I've been having palpitations for the past few weeks, can I get prayer? Um, and I did, and um, it opened up a lot of kind of why I, that I did kind of know why it was happening, um, which is that the palpitations were rep representing and a, a result of my anxiety of entering a new chapter of my life um, and of specifically entering a new living situation because I was carrying a lot of baggage from my previous living situation and just from prior situations in my life of feeling really belittled, feeling very infantilized, um, feeling like I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop and the people I was with were gonna tell me like, you're a, you're a bad person to live with and you're, just, you're a bad person to be around. Um, and that's, uh, those are instincts that had, the way that I was prayed over then was, there are these tapes that Satan plays over your life. And those are lies. And Jesus wants to redo the tapes and say the true things to you. And he wants you to make your own tapes with your voice. And she also told me that day, um, your voice is a mighty voice. I'm sorry if you want it to have a quiet life, but that's not, that's not God's intention. Um, you have a mighty voice and you're supposed to speak. Um, and so, yeah, after that was, I stopped having palpitations after that. Um, and I think there is a, there's a physical aspect there's a visible aspect of praying for you know, the palpitations to go away, and I wanted them to go away, um, and they went away. And part of it was also taking confidence in, I don't want this in my life. I cast it out of my life, um, and I take on this new challenge and this new chapter with that confidence, perhaps even if I don't fully feel it in that moment, like this new confidence that I have these new tapes, and I am making my own tapes. So that... Um, yeah, and to be re-reflecting on that when I was asked, because um, Todd was like, I heard that, you know, there was praying over your palpitations and it wasn't happening anymore. Would you like to share? Um, and revisiting that, I was like, yeah. Yeah, I, I experienced healing. Um, so that's my story for you all. Thank you, Karas. All right, Heidi. Okay, we're going to hear from Heidi, and you're going to like that as well. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be quick, though, because I know we're running short. Okay, I want to make a point about time. So I've been in this community since 2008, and I want you to raise your hand if you have ever prayed for my back in those 15 years. Okay, look around. There's a lot of people, a lot of people who aren't here anymore who have prayed for my back. Okay. <laughs> I also have struggled with faith that, like, God could heal my back, and, you know, I have a lot of tools. So since I was in my early 20s, I've figured out how to, like, deal with the back episodes, right? I have chronic, like, compressed discs, and I have scoliosis, and I played sports as a young person, and I just a lot of, like, problems. And it used to be that every couple of months, I would have, it would go out, and then I wouldn't be able to move. Um, haven't, for years, I haven't had 
that problem. Um, and in early September, right before some of the biggest moments of my current job, um, where I was supposed to travel for like three and a half weeks straight almost, kind of coming back only on the weekends, um, or some of the weekends, it went out, right? I'm like, okay, well, I know what to do. I've got my stretches, I've got my meds, I've got the like natural meds and the other meds, I got my chiropractor, like we're gonna do all the things. I kept thinking it was gonna get better. I, I go with you guys, that people went to the climate march. I was also going to New York that day. I went to New York, I'm like, it'll be fine tomorrow. I'll do some hanging, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Guys, I had to be at the UN the whole week and I could not sit. So I stood in the back of all of the meetings every time I tried to sit. I mean, I was in so much pain. A anyone who knows me, I, I can handle a lot of pain. This was awful and I was supposed to be on. I came, I was like, Don, pray, please pray, Michelle, pray, pray, pray. Like, still no, I went. There's some heart stuff here too, so there's, there's some of that story that I will <laughs> kind of come to some conclusion on as well, but it was so physically impossible to function. I, was, I just had it, and I had to go to New Hampshire for everybody from my team, leadership team was coming into the country. I work very internationally, so I, there was no way I could skip it. But my boss, who was new, he's like, <clears throat> Heidi, you're, uh, on Sunday you're going to India, you're gonna be in a flight for 16 hours, and we don't pay for business class. I think you shouldn't go. And I'm like, no, I've been working on this since like before I started this job, I have to go, like I'm supposed to launch the thing, like no, I'm going. And on Friday I'm like, oh, he's right, I cannot go, I cannot do this. So we're at the worship night, and by the way, I think a lot of this stuff happens in small communities, so if you are not going to a home group, go to a home group, go to one of the Monday nights, because this, this stuff happens, right? <laughs> like, that's where many of you have prayed for my back <laughs> over the years. Um, so with the worship night, and I just, like, I couldn't sit down, so I'm worshiping standing up. I keep, like, getting on my knees, and everyone's like, Heidi, uh, maybe we should, you know, pray for your back. So we pray for my back, you know, does it get better? Uh, a little bit better. But, like, right in that moment, I had this thought, oh, you know, there's this, like, therapy that I've done when I travel, because it's cheaper when I travel, um, and it's always given me some relief. Maybe, maybe there's some, I've never found someone around here. Maybe I'll find someone. I put it into Google. I find a new person who's like literally a couple miles from my house. And this is weird. I go see him Saturday morning. He was somehow available to see me Saturday morning, first thing. I get on the flight the next night and I function. Functioning enough that like I got there. I, um, I was able to like sit on the floor in all of the house visits and like for hours ride in the ride in the car for hours and hours and hours and you know moving from like not being able to sit <laughs> to like doing that kind of travel just because just like a like while people were praying for me I had this kind of oh right um so just to say like sometimes God moves in the moment but also sometimes God word moves through words um that kind of lead you to to the right tools for for healing anyway amen Amazing. Thank you. Okay. I hope that, that has left you wanting more and not less. 